Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. I am joined by uh, one of the editors here at the Command Zone and our resident CEDH player. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Shauna. If you've seen me before, I've always been talking about CDH, and I'm talking about CDH even more today, probably in a place that I shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this is going to be cool. So, uh, Streets of New Capenna. Brings us five new commander decks. They're all super cool. Yeah, one for each of the five crime families in the city. Uh, and we're going to be doing our usual pre-con uh, budget upgrade guides for all of them. But on this episode, there's a bit of a twist because Shauna is more of a CDH player. Um, there's a little conversion going on. We're trying to convert you to casual. You're trying to convert people here to CADH. Yep. I think it's yep. just going to lead to us <laughs> both doing both a little bit more, which I think is cool. Some people are going to Digimon. It's always a mess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's going to be interesting because Shauna was tasked with uh, taking this deck and doing our usual 10 cards to add, 10 cards to take out for a $30 budget. Totally. Um, but since you have that sort of more competitive EDH mindset, I think... It's cool. It's, we're going to have a different perspective than we normally have on these, which I think is great. For sure. Um, but you still have to follow all those same rules. So it's yes. going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, just how competitive you can make this deck with those same $30. Yeah, it was not easy. Let me tell you that. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into that, we got to talk about our sponsors. Channelfireball.com slash command. That's the place to go to order all your magic products, singles, anything at all. You're a magic player. You're going to want magic cards. If you just use the Channel Fireball, Fireball Marketplace when you do, you are supporting not only uh, this content in our channel, but you're also just getting the cards you want. Shauna, you had a story actually about a, a cool feature on the marketplace that I didn't even know about. Yeah, I've been going to Finch and Sparrow games a couple times every other Saturday or so. They've been, ha they've been having some CDS tournaments where obviously it's an official tournament. You have to have the card. So I needed Yidris as my commander and I didn't order it when I ordered the rest of my deck. So I went to channelfireball.com slash command. And the good thing about them being only LGSs Everybody, everybody there has to be vetted as an official LGS store. So that means that when you go to their profile, it's kind of like a little social media thing. But if you go to their profile and you click on store locator, you can actually find the actual location and a Google, Google Maps link to the store. So I was able to 
literally look up the address, find the stores in my area. A bunch of them were called like SoCal Games or something like that. So I knew that they were in SoCal already. And then I found the store and I drove 45 minutes and I got myself a address that day. Great. So it was kind of told you the local inventory for it so you could find it in time for your tournament. Totally. And I'm just not a patient person. So whenever right. I have an idea for a deck, I'm just like, I want this deck I right want now. The cards now. I want to play it tomorrow. So if you don't mind a little extra driving, you can you can get your deck together really fast with that kind of that usability. Yeah, that's very cool. That's a cool feature of, again, uh, channelfireball.com slash command. And of course, once you get those cards, you want to protect them. You want them to be in the best shape imaginable. Ultra Pro is the company that Jimmy and I trust our own collections to protect our cards with. And also, Ultra Pro just has the licensing agreement with Wizards of the Coast, so they always get the cool um, artwork, the official license IP. They can put the artwork on the sleeves, on the deck boxes, on the play mats. This is a really cool thing in times like right now, because Streets of New Capenna um, is just about to come out. And if you're building a a new Capenna deck, if you want, you know, Kondo on your sleeves, on your deck box, Mm -hmm. Ultra Pro is the place that's going to let you do that. And you were saying that, like, you think artworks for Magic is the best it's ever been. Yeah, I get laughed at all the time because I hate old artwork. But the amount of time and money and resources that that Wizards puts into getting actual artists to do the art deco style that's an SNC, they go to such great lengths to make sure they have the right artist for the job. So art has looked better than it's ever been. And you definitely want that in your play mats. I mean, I'm an old school player, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to object to the first part of that. But I do agree. The artwork looks great now. And Ultra Pro has, you know, is putting all that stuff on, on their product. So that's of awesome. Course. And then, of course, the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. We've recently revamped our whole Patreon. There's game nights, auditions going on, all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, uh, if you want to join, if you want to talk to Jimmy and I on the Discord, and we're on there every single day. Patreon.com slash command zone. It's easy to sign up. You can be at any level for a lot of the cool perks. Um, And then, of course, another perk that's available at any level is we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to To Jeremy Dennis. Dennis. Jeremy, you rock. You're the best. Jeremy has a superhero name because he has two first names as his name. Oh, my God. You ever realize that? No. Bruce Wayne. Peter Parker. Clark Kent. I'm a yeah. magic nerd, not a D. You don't have that, Shauna Gillis. I don't really either. I guess Josh Lee could be, but I have Kwai on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we get into the main topic. Command Zone Live. We are doing a second episode, and we have a really cool guest on this one. It's Post Malone, our good buddy. We are going to be talking about all of the new cards from all of the Commander decks and what we what our top picks are as far as the top cards in the format. That episode is going live on April 20th. There'll be a link in the show notes that you can find out the time and how to uh, t- attend. So... Fun times. And if you're one of those people that's always yelling at us at the screen because we missed a really good card, you can tell us in chat live. So yeah, that's a good point. Make sure you're there <laughs> yeah, to you, tell us we're wrong. You could definitely like join the discussion because we don't do a lot of live episodes. Mm-mm. All right, main topic time. Cabaretti Cacophony Precon Budget Upgrade Guide. The same rules as always, even though we're going to be talking a little more CDH today. Oh, yes. Uh, 10 cards in, 10 cards out. Total budget of $30. We're not going to touch the mana base just because that is less fun to talk about. Right. Did that hurt your CDH heart? A little bit, but uh, that's where most of the expense is. So that was a yeah. It would have been a. Lo- it's it's also like if we talk about mana base, then all of a sudden the cost would be just prohibitive because shock lands and fetch lands and the things you would yeah. want. So the worst shock land would get me over thirty dollars. For the most part, the mana base will work. Totally. It might be just a little bit slow, but it'll allow you to cast your spells. Yes. Um. All right. First, though, we're going to take a look at some of the new cards, especially the new legendaries, and then break down the stats of the deck so that we have context for why we're adding what cards we're adding. So let's start out. With the face commander, the one on the box, it's Kit Kanto, Mayhem Diva, one red, green, white. So four mana for a 3-3 three, three 
legendary cat bard druid. When Kit Kanto enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 green and white citizen creature token. At the, beginning, at the beginning of combat on each player's turn, you may tap two untapped creatures you control. When you do, target creature that player controls get, gets plus two, plus two, and gains trample until end of turn, goad that creature. And goad means that creature must attack if able and must attack a player other than you if able. So it does come with the two creatures that can a- automatically activate it, right? Of course. Um, and, and it's worded weirdly, but on whoever's player's turn it is, you can pick one of their creatures, tap two of your creatures, and goad that creature. Correct. And it, it'll be... But it has to be a, uh, a creature that player controls. It can't right. be... So you can't, like, goad Jimmy's creature during Mel's turn. Right. It has to be Jimmy's creature during Jimmy's turn. Right. You could also, I guess, use this on your own creature during your turn to just to give it the plus two, plus two, and trample, right? Right. So... Kit's pretty cool. What do you think about it? What's your what through the CEDH lens? So I this was not my first choice of the precons, but I knew that I was going to make a CEDH no matter what. So in terms of a CEDH commander, I think it is not great. But taking this goat ability and like a lot of CEDH is carefully choosing your attacks, making sure that your Najila or your Timna only attacks beneficially, only your Ragavan only attacks positively. Right. So kind of goading creatures, depending on what pod you're sitting with, making them attack when they definitely don't want to and they want to protect their value pieces, that can get kind of crazy. Yeah, goad is a form of removal. It's not like the best form. Definitely not. But it can get blockers out of the way and can also cause them to have to run their creatures into the things that it will die to and also protects you from getting hit by that creature too. So there are some benefits. I know it's not the same as removing it or whatever. Is that kind of what maybe what drew to you? Because CDH is so much about interaction and goad is a form of interaction. Of course, yeah. It gives you like the difference between a CDH and a casual player. I've been telling that to people around the office is it's not as much expense. It's not as much you know, overall skill, it's how much you, how much say you have in your opponent's turns. How many, how many pieces of interaction that you have, how can you disrupt their game plan? And this is definitely a really good way to do it. Yeah, Goad is a dis- certainly disruptive. Certainly disruptive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we should lay out what she said. It wasn't our first choice. We have five of these decks, and we were telling people in the office, you know, five of you can do the upgrades, and then they had to kind of jockey for who got what. Yeah. And uh, just out of curiosity, who was your first choice? Which Or which deck? Do you remember it was which family? Jamie's, I think it was the Maestros. The Maestros? The one that gives everything, all your spells, casualty too. All right, so you heard it here first. That's the best CADH one, evidently. You can do it. All right, there are uh, two other legendary creatures in the deck, though. The second one is Fabine Boss's Confidant. It is three, a red, a green, and a white. So six mana on this one for a three, six cat advisor. It says creature tokens you control have haste. And then it has parlay. At the beginning of combat on your turn, each player reveals the top card of their library. For each land card revealed this way, you create a one, one green and white citizen creature token. And then creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. For each non-land card revealed this way, then each player draws a card so they'll draw the card they revealed yes um so if you flip over cards and two people get lands and two people get non-lands you get two one ones and then all your creatures will be pumped plus two plus two correct and then everybody will draw the cards they they revealed um i'm guessing this is a six mana commander that there's no consideration in your mind for running this instead of because every once in a while like the shorakai deck i think was the a recent example of course where definitely i think you want to run short if you're looking for the most powerful right experience out of the box shorakai is probably better than katori uh right out of the box totally do you think that's the case here this is absolutely not the case here <laughs> <laughs> i uh you're gonna see later in this episode i wanted to take this card out because 
the best thing you can, the worst thing you can do in CDH is give your opponents anything. Anything that says draw your opponent's cards, which Parlay does, you can see it in Salvala Explorer Return that Parlay, no matter what happens, no matter what they reveal, always draws your opponent a card. Yeah. And even if you're drawing them a land, you don't want to draw them anything. You want them to take a whole turn, clear the land off the top, and force them to get rid of it. So I'm against this creature, but I can see why it works with the deck. We're going to have an argument about cutting it oh, later yes. on. We'll, we'll save that for later, though. Yes. All right, there is one more uh, legendary creature in the deck, but you cannot run it as the commander of the deck because it's only two colors, but it's still a cool card. Correct. This is kind of like Katsumasa in the uh, vehicles precon, but this is Bess Soul Nourisher. She is one colorless, a green, and a white, so she's the Selesnia commander, and then she's a 1-1, one, one, human citizen. Whenever one or more other creatures with base power and toughness 1-1 one, one, enter the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on Bess. Whenever she attacks, each other creature you control with base power and toughness 1-1 one, one, gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of 1-1 one, one counters on Bess. So so Kit makes a 1-1 one, one, that would put a 1-1 one, one counter on Bess. If you attack with Bess in a later turn, you give all your 1-1s one, plus 1 plus 1 plus 1. Interesting, it's win one or more. So if you had a card like Secure the Waste, let's say, I don't think is in this deck, mm-hmm. uh, just springs to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put like 10 one ones into play all at once, it won't put 10 counters on best, it'll just put one because it's win one or more. Correct. So what you want is a lot of, you want Bitter Blossom, obviously also can't go in this deck. <laughs> um, that's just, you know, sort of co- more or less constantly pumping out one at a time, right? Totally. And she's just giving... She's going to consistently buff your board in the way that you definitely need to be buffed because the only way that we're going to win this game if we're playing CDH and we're playing in budget is through combat damage. So the bigger we can make our tokens, the better. Yeah, and that's just a common, I think all token strategies, they have two-step process. Oh, yeah. One, make a lot of creatures. Two, make all those creatures bigger bigger. and attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is is part two of that. Totally. And it, it, you know, as you make the one ones, best gets bigger and... Bess is honestly not that useful when you don't have very many one ones, so she becomes relevant at about the time you're probably going to want to be attacking once you've made one ones, you know, three, four, five times. Right. And then that hopefully those batches survived, and you're like, I have twelve things, and now they're all plus five, plus five. Uh, yeah. So that seems like a, a pretty good card in the deck. Totally. Speaking of good cards in the deck, oh no, we're not to that part yet. We're going to do over <laughs> the stats. Sorry, bad segue. <laughs> all right, we'll get to the best cards in the deck in a minute. Um, let's talk about the stats of the deck. The Stats, stats, stats. So the foundational stats that we talk about for every deck, the ramp, card draw, single target removal, and board wipes. Do you want to read them down? It's it's looking pretty good, I'm just going to say. Totally, just, yeah. They've gotten so good at this in in recent years. I think one category is a little low, but everything looks pretty good. And honestly, the better they get at this, the better it is for our CDH game plan. So we have 15 ramp cards. Not too bad, not too bad, especially when our commander is three different colors. We have 12 card draw spells. A couple of those we're going to be taking out of here, but other than that is a pretty good foundation. And then we have, have eight single target removal. Single, a little low. A little low. And uh, not where we want it to be if we're looking to play CDH, because single target removal is some of the best removal in the game, you'll find out. Um, and then we have three board wipes. This is definitely reassuring because we have a lot of creatures and we do not want to be board wiping, but there will be... A couple of the board wipes are meant to like dodge your tokens. Totally. And dodging tokens is good, but we definitely don't want zero board wipes in this deck because you will come to a time when you are playing against Winota. If you don't know what that is yet, it is probably the best go wide 
deck in CDH, if I'm not mistaken. It's, the, it's one of the best decks in casual, too. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty insane. You, you'll you see that, like... You need board wipes. My tokens are not measuring up to this absolute craziness. I need to, I just need to start fresh, so... Or you something. cast something that says, oh, destroy all creatures with power four or greater or something. That and works, too. Something like Officer Command. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, okay, now let's get deck-specific with the stats. There are 29 token-creating cards. There are 15 cards that pump tokens. Seems a little high. There are six cards that have 1-1 counters, care about 1-1 counters. Uh, best would be one of those. And then there are four goad cards. Um a lot less goad than you might think. But one thing I've learned having played some goad decks now and built some is you actually don't want a lot of different cards that goad because goad doesn't stack super well. Totally. Uh, once you're goading things, you don't need more goading. You, it, like goading something twice doesn't do anything. Uh, and also goad becomes worse as the game goes on. And once it's down to 1v1, goad is bad. Oh, yes. So you don't want to end up drawing a lot of goad cards. You know, if the goad's working and you're getting down to, oh, now there's two players left, you don't want goad cards anymore. So you generally, I've noticed in goad decks, have a lot less goad than you would think. Like goad tribal seems like it would be a thing, but it kind of isn't because you don't want 20 goad cards in your deck. Right. And a lot of goad cards are universal. They're just... When you deal combat damage to a player with a yeah. devil or something like that, goad all of their creatures and or goad this creature for the rest of the game. You don't want universal. You want to be able to pick and choose what you're goading and when. If anything is important, if you get anything away from this video, it's that selection is absolutely necessary if you're playing a subpar deck in CDH. Yeah, and then Kit does that, right? Where it's like, yes. I've got the, my two creatures untapped, and so I can goad something. And that way, you can just be like, that's not important to me. I'm not worried about that. Even if they play something with haste right now, okay, fine, goad that. Nice. Uh, so I don't die right now. Totally. All right, let's talk about what everybody's waiting for. One of the big things that everybody likes about these pre-con upgrade guides are is the deck value discussion. So we had a truck go through and calculate the value of the reprints from all the decks. Now, remember, these deck prices are taken prior to the reveal of the deck because we are shooting these episodes in advance. Otherwise, we wouldn't be releasing this episode until yes. July when no one cares. <laughs> um, so, again, there are 63 reprints in this deck because there are some new cards uh, that we can't calculate the price of because nobody knows they exist. Right. So, this is just that value. And the average reprint value, or sorry, the total reprint value of this deck is $97.00. And five cents. At least it's better than the vehicle's precon. <laughs> yeah, it's way better, which was yes. the vehicle's precon was fifty five bucks, which yes. is the lowest we've ever seen, and quite frankly, just bad. Ninety seven is is good, right? Like I think anything uh, that's around eighty five to ninety is fine, and it's anything possible. above ninety, you're starting to be happy with. And when it's above one hundred, you're like, this is amazing for sure. So ninety seven, I think, is in the we're happy category. The average precon reprint value from the past three years, sort of combined, is about eighty dollars. So this is. On the high end, this is well and above it. Yeah, yeah. You can't be you can't be unhappy with buying this deck. Yeah, I think I think we're happy with the value in this deck, and we're going to talk about some of the notable reprints, the key cards, and there's some good ones on here. Um, there are three cards that are worth five dollars or more, and sixteen cards total worth two dollars or more. Remember, the three cards worth five are also worth more than two. So, um, the big one, sort of the big name card, I think that everyone's going to be excited about in this deck is. Beastmaster's Ascension. If you uh, are a casual enthusiast, you have seen this card before and you have probably died to it. So, or killed people with it. Oh, yeah. So it is uh, two colorless and a green. It's an enchantment. Whenever a creature you control attacks, you may put a quest counter on it. And as long as it has seven or more quest counters, creatures you control get plus five, plus five permanently. Five. Oh, yes. 
It doesn't give trample. That's the problem with this card. Yes. But it is a lot of extra power. And what you tend to do is hold it in hand as a surprise and then play it and then attack with seven or more creatures. Yeah. So that on the turn you play it, it actually pumps the creatures. Because it'll, on attack, it gets the counters. And then before they deal combat damage, they are already bigger. Yeah, totally. This card would be a lot more expensive than 899 if it had trample as well. It would be broken so too. It would be absolutely like it would just be better than Crater Hoof at that point. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good reprint, $9, $8.99 yes. before the reveal. So that's great. Uh, another of the notable reprints that was $7.20 before you know it was announced is Kazool, Tyrant of the Cliffs. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yep. Uh, Rugged Prairie, which that's is a land. A land. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was about 6 bucks. So those are the three cards. It's cool to have a land in there, actually. I, yeah. w- I hope they do that more often where they give us some of the good lands Definitely. in the like $5 or more category. So I like seeing that. The $2 or more cards, we're not going to read what they all do, but I'll just go down them really quickly. Scute Swarm, 475 474 Path to Exile, that's a great one. Very good. $4.50, 449 mm-hmm. Call the Copper Coats was $4.23. Thunderfoot Bailoff, about 4 bucks, three ninety seven. Uh, Silvala, Explorer Returned, which I get the sense from what you said earlier. You do not like Shauna. We're not loving it. $3.83. Some people love it, though, because it's over. It's almost $4. You can trade it into your LGS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get it out of your deck. Uh, old school Commander Powerhouse Awakening Zone. You don't see that much these days. Yeah. $3.40. Idol of Oblivion. I think that one's on the rise. I see that more and more. That's a, a decent card. That's $2.95. Castle Ardenvale was two fifty. Felwar Stone, two forty nine. You basically need as many Felwar Stones as you can get these days. Aura Mutation, two dollars and nineteen cents. Sandworm Convergence, two dollars. Assemble the Legion, two dollars. So, uh, a decent amount of usable stuff in there, and just good value overall. So, uh, would you say you're happy with the the reprint value in this deck? I'm pretty happy. I kind of gauged how good the reprints are by how many of them I knew, and yeah. I. I know quite a bit of these. And, yeah. Um, other yeah, these than, are cards that you do see on the table. Totally. And cards that will, they'll see reusability as you transition in different decks. We'll be taking out some of them, but others you can put into your casual decks, no problem. All right, let's talk about what you think are the best cards in this deck. Um, the ones we're definitely not cutting. Right. So you'll see that uh, three of the five of these are the most expensive cards in the deck. So almost like... There's a reason they're expensive. Almost like price relates to power level. Um, so the first one is Path to Exile. Exile target creature. Its controller may search their library for a basic land card, put that land onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle for one white instant speed. Everybody knows what that is already. Oh, and yes. knows it's awesome. Pretty cool. Um you're going to see a lot of problematic cards and uh, a lot of problematic creatures in CDH. I have lost a Crick more times than I can count in my meta specifically. Because yeah, everybody has a commander. Totally. Everybody has a commander, and it's not very often that you see commanders like Marath or commanders like the First Liver. You're going to need to get rid of some things. And giving them a basic land isn't ideal, which is what we're going to want to get rid of Winota, I'll tell you that. We're going to want to get rid of some things, definitely. And this card, whenever you see it, it's going to be useful in your game. So definitely keep that in. I think the next one's overrated. Overrated, he yeah. says. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it is Kazool, Tyrant of the Cliffs. It was the second most expensive card in the deck. It is three colorless and two red for a legendary creature, Ogre Warrior. He's a 5-4. Yep. Day, okay. Whenever a creature an opponent controls attacks, if you're the defending player, create a 3-3 red ogre creature token unless that con- creature's controller pays three colorless. Yeah. 
why don't you like this card? No, no, I think it's fine. Yes. I just think it's basically ghostly prison. I've never seen a single person make a token off of this. Okay. Unless they're dying that turn to Crater Hoof already. Okay. Or something like that. So okay. it just stops attacks, which there are cards that do that. Ghostly prison basically stops them until they're going to kill you. Totally. This stops them until they're going to kill you. Totally. But it's five mana and I a creature. I think this is... Like, I think we, you play it. Don't get right. me wrong. Like, if I think we it's play good. this card and don't get a single 3-3 Red Ogre off of it, we are happy. Because if you forgot, Kit Kanto only goads one creature. If you are a typical CDH pod, and let's say you are play, playing against Tim Nathrasios, notable hero of the format, they're going to have at least... It's not often that you're going to see somebody sing, swinging with a singular creature, especially when Kit's on the field, turn four or three, wherever you get it out. So... Being able to go to one creature is nice, but if they see that you're dealing some damage out of the table, giving them plus two, plus two, and trample is not nothing. If they see you making an impact in that way and draining their life total, therefore making their ad nauseum worse, they're going to try to start attacking you with the creatures that you're not goading. And Kazool will definitely deter that because mm -hmm. a 3-3 three, three is bad. And also paying three is nearly impossible with a CDH curve. So... Sure, I'd just rather have Propaganda or Ghostly Prison or some one of those other ones, because I think it does the same thing. That's standard. why I think this deck doesn't come with those, but Kazool, I don't know why it's $7.20, because I literally have never seen anybody make a, an ogre. Does it make ogres? It makes ogres. Yeah. He's a 5-4, though. He's he big. Is a He's five, a beefy four. boy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, the next one is, on your list is Magus of the Wheel, mm -hmm. which is two in a red for a 3-3, three, three, but you can pay one in a red, tap and sacrifice it to uh, Wheel of Fortune. Each player discards their hand, then draws seven cards. I think we all know why Wheel of Fortune is good. That is a really expensive card. So the Megas is a creature version of it. Yes, this is anti-tutor. So almost every single CDH card or every single CDH deck that I have seen needs a tutor of some kind to find their win con or to find protection for their win con. If a CDH deck doesn't have tutors, it's a bad CDH deck, which is what this is. But we're going to try our best and we're, we're going to wheel in response to them trying to uh, snoop combo you. It's possible if it gets disrupted, you can wheel their snoop combo away. I think this is actually interesting, too, because it'll sit on the table and they'll have to be like, crap, okay, I have to get rid of that before I can tutor. Of course. Um, which is interesting because it just adds a layer, which is, I think, often the way to stop combo. Right. Just add extra layers of stuff you got to do before you can combo. And then they're like, okay, I remove that, remove that. And you're like, you're dead now. Right. Um, and then the last best card you have listed is... Beastmaster Ascension, which makes total sense because it's going to be a token deck. Yeah. So at some point, you're going to want to swing with a number of things and you're going to want them to be bigger than they otherwise would be. Yeah. I thought an honorable mention here uh, that I put on the list was Boros, Boros Charm. It's very good. Yes. Because I think this deck is going to fold to a board wipe from your opponent. So. Most definitely. And there's yes. not a lot of protection in the deck. I think there's two cards that will give all your stuff indestructible. So it would have been nice if they put a Heroic Intervention or something in here, but yeah. Boros Charm's, you know, pretty close and yeah. might allow you to actually go later in the game. Your own board wipe, Boros Charm, win. Totally. And so. one of those board wipes, uh, by the way, is Grand Crescendo, which is Jamie Block's favorite, and is a new card in this deck. It gives all of your creatures indestructible while... All of your creatures indestructible, I think, while yeah. making more tokens. Yeah. So you've it's got an X spell. You've got some protection in here. Just Those make sure are the you two keep spells, in. Boros Charm and that. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. not great. <laughs> well you're gonna add another protection spell <laughs> yes, later. So totally. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about oh, no, we're not going to talk about that quite yet because we have to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. But when we get back, we're going to get to the fun part, which is deciding which 10 cards our CEDH player here decided to add to make this deck as powerful as possible. And of course, which 10 to take out. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find 
people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, we are back. We are talking about the Cabaretti Cacophony Streets of New Capenna Precon Commander deck. That was a lot of words. Oh, yes. Uh, we're doing the budget upgrade guide. Shauna, our resident competitive EDH player, has taken the lead on this, and we're getting to the exciting part, which is the part where she has done all the research and figured out what 10 cards for $30 or less total mm-hmm. she wants to add to this deck to make it as powerful as it can be. And then we're going to go through which 10 cards she wants to take out to make room for these new cards. Sean, before we get into it, I wanted to talk about your CEDH perspective sure. and how that you know, might influence your recommendations in a way that's different from, you know, how we normally have done pre-con upgrade guides. Everybody else here, and Jimmy and I especially, are definitely casual leaning. Totally. And so we're going to build decks in a certain way. So that's why I think this is fun. We get to see your perspective on it. Um, 
So after you looked through the deck, what what did you decide was like your goal or your game plan when you started to like, I'm going to start searching for what cards I want to put in here? Right. So when I'm building a CDH deck, the best place to reference is what's called the CDH database. If you type that into your computer, you'll see a bunch of viable CDH decks that are vetted constantly through Discord channels and so on and so forth. So if we look at what Naya options are available, you will see mainly stacks. And that is the direction I'm going to take with this deck because stacks isn't frowned upon in CDH. It is, we don't like it, but you can't be mad at people for it because you can't get mad at a stacks player when the other players are trying to kill you with two cards. So we're going to take advantage of that and we're going to slow our opponents down and give them a lot of hoops, hoops to jump through if they want to win on top of us, which they're going to try to multiple times. But if you go to CDH database and you look at what Naya uh, options we have available, you'll see something called Brute Force, which is a Bruce Tarl Kamala deck. And that is a very, very good reference for you if you're trying to find out what you can afford, what you want to put in, kind of gives you a basis of what this deck is trying to mold itself off of. So you kind of go there and you say, okay, what CDH viable cards are being played in these colors? Of course. And that kind of, you know, and then you landed on like, okay, I see a lot of stack strategies. So I'm going to lean towards stacks because, you know, we know that Naya colors generally kind of lean towards that, which makes sense because without blue, you really need to slow your opponents down because you have trouble just, blue just has catch-alls of counterspells to be totally. able Yeah. But when you don't have that, a lot of times, okay, my answer is just cramp down the amount of stuff my opponents can do so that two or three scary things can't all happen at once. Yeah, and stacks pieces are cheap. So if you're on a budget and you're trying to play with your CDH friends who are have been getting into this stuff with your LGS, this will be viable. It's not going to win a tournament or anything like that, but it's going to make an impact on a game in a way that this normal pre-con wouldn't. I would say too, like we're only adding 10 cards. I, you can't make this into like a full-on stack deck that yes, is sir. going to like make most casual players mad. Right. You know, you're adding like, three, four stacks pieces total, and they're not even like what we would normally consider the heavy stacks pieces, sure. like Winter Orb and things like that. So don't get scared out there if you're casual. I think this will actually, you'll maybe learn some stuff and it'll actually like, you know, be fine. I, none of this looks scary to the point where it's like, man, casuals wouldn't want to play this. Totally. Um, I have a question for you though, before we begin. Yeah. Is it realistic to take a commander pre-con of any kind? Yes. And go in with the rules of, hey, you can only add 10 cards and for $30. And try and make a CEDH viable deck from those, you know, with those rules in place. Is that a, like, did you say I'm likely to be able to accomplish this goal? Or do you think that it's like, because it seems like it's difficult. If It is it's definitely difficult. And I knew that I could get close because there's a deceptively large amount of cards in CEDH that are actually pretty cheap and are actually pretty viable. Because they're played so often throughout the format, Dockside excluded, that their their price has been down. So while they aren't outstanding in themselves, none of these cards are specifically amazing, but they will make an impact on the board. A couple of them with, are. Yeah, with, it, with an addition of three other players at your table, as long as you don't sit down with like the worst nightmare scenario, which is like three proactive decks like we were talking about before, you can slow the game down and you can actually make an impact and you can actually... Do what you want to do without dying in the first three turns. So it's not amazing, but we're actually making a pretty good effort. Yeah, I think too, though, we were talking about this before. A casual decks can actually do pretty well in a pot of three other CDH decks. Yeah. Because they'll be so busy stopping your, each other that you'll probably get to the point where you're doing stuff they're just not prepared to handle because 
CDs doesn't have to worry about certain things. Like there's not a lot of board wipes, mm-hmm. you know, just big creatures, especially like big flyers just don't really exist in CDH. So if you land one of them, like a five, five flyer can just win games because they're just like, ah, do I want to remove my remove on that? No, I have to save it for a combo. But then you just chunk them down every f- turn. Like I've seen CDH games go where the casual deck beats the other three decks. Yeah. Um, and this might straddle the line pretty well, or it might be pretty good against casual decks. Cause again, we're only adding 10 cards, so it's not going right. to be like a nine out of 10. Totally. Um, but it might be able to do some stuff in a CDH pod too. So I'm interested to see if that works out. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the specifics here, the cards that you want to add to the deck. Uh, I love the first card. Yes. <laughs> so it's one of my favorite new cards in a while. I'll let you read it. I started with this one because... Because of me. That's okay. Yes, totally. <laughs> it's called Drum Bellower, and it came out with the vehicle's precon in Neon Dynasty. It yep. is two colorless and a white for a creature spirit to one. It has flying, untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step. So it's a bad Seedworm use. But... $3.71 Seedborn Muse, though. Might yeah. Make it, yeah. I mean, that's... I'm surprised, actually. I thought it would probably be more expensive. Totally. I literally am changing my Tim deck to add white so I can put this card in it. That's insane. Yeah. But when Jimmy and I believe uh, Damon, who also did the budget upgrade for this, we didn't see a lot of usability of this untap creatures you control because you can untap your vehicles or whatever, but it doesn't do a whole lot. But in this deck, it goes absolutely crazy because we want available untapped creatures to tap and goad our other opponent's creatures each turn so obviously the dream scenario is that we have kit out we have a couple of tokens maybe three or four and we are goading our opponent's creatures every single combat so every time they have to go to attacks every time they want to swing the ragavan at somebody every time they want to draw cards off their tim and the weaver they have to factor drum bellower into their game plan because they know that it's not going to swing necessarily where they want it to so this is going to give you a lot of say in a game where you don't have a lot to say yeah i, I think even just drum or kit kit comes with a token and then yes. one other creature yeah i want to clarify we had some confusion around the office and i did have to ask jamie block but we cannot go to multiple creatures per combat which makes drum or a lot worse <laughs> yeah so kit says you at the beginning of combat on each player's turn you may tap two untapped creatures you control yes it, it only gives you the option to tap two you can't Correct. tap four you can't tap six yes so you can oh maximum with kit you can only go to one creature per player's turn. Yes, you can only go to one creature, give one creature two plus two plus two, and that same creature trample. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I didn't know that. That makes it yeah, it makes it worse, definitely for sure. Drum Beller still makes sense because just Kit and Kit's token, I guess Drum Beller can now tap be one of this of uh, part of this. Yeah. yeah but but now instead of one uh goaded creature per rotation table, it's one per turn. Yeah, so let's say like you turn one, uh, some kind of one mana ramp, you Elvish Mystic. You turn two Drum Bellower, and then you turn three Kit. Even though you only have maybe three to four creatures on board, you can still, instead of only goading two creatures around the turn rotation, you can now have the option to goad three creatures. So this is definitely something. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, all right, let's go to the next card, which I think is underrated in casual circles, not underrated in uh competitive circles it's utopia sprawl one green for an enchantment aura enchant forest as utopia sprawl enters the battlefield choose a color whenever enchanted forest is tapped for mana its controller adds an additional one mana of the chosen color so this is just one mana ramp it's basically birds of paradise but it's not a creature so you don't have to it's not as likely to get removed right uh 
I had a question here, which mm-hmm. is how many forests are in the deck? So there's, I don't remember the exact number, but I'm pretty sure we have eight basic forests and then maybe one other dual forest, but we have less than 10. But while that is a, while that is a small amount, you can definitely rely on your ability to draw a forest before you have Utopia's Ball. If you find this in your opening hand, you probably have a forest in your hand. So I don't think it's a huge concern. It's $5.10, by the yep. way, at the time that we're recording this. Yeah, I would yep. say that I might lean towards wild growth just because it can enchant any land and does basically the same thing. Obviously, you had you have color restrictions, but yes. um, I think, if, you know, assuming it's colorless is probably still good enough. I don't know. I don't know if nine force meets my threshold. Yeah. For because it, I've had Utopia's Ball in hand in decks for for sure. Where I'm like, I don't have a forest, I can't cast this, and then it's way worse when you're like waiting till turn three to put it out. Totally. One good thing is you can usually tap your green mana, put it on a force that you then tap. Yes. So it is still. That's why it's underrated, right? You can never play Birds of Paradise. Well, not never, but you can't play Birds of Paradise generally and tap at the same turn. Where you can often do that with Utopia's Brawl. Totally. Yeah. And if you turn one, it you're just saying, oh, on turn three, I'm gonna or turn two, I'm gonna have the three mana so yeah if you peruse the cdh database you'll see that a lot of player solutions to a three color four color five color commander is like your lotus petals of the world or your your moxes which are way too expensive for what we're trying to do here so in order to quickly before ideally turn three find those three colors we're going to have to look to avenues like this or birds of paradise or even like an elvish mystic or an elvish um lander elves felwort um Finhorn Elves, something like that. Because if, I'm telling you right now, if Kit comes out any later than turn four, turn four or later, we're out of this game. So we need to have an impact fast. And yeah, this you need will Kit out us. at least a turn early. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to the next card. Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm, I'm curious how you pronounce it. It is Toski, Bearer of Secrets. Okay, not Toski? I, it might be Toski, but... I have no, no idea. So, like, I'll go with Toski if that's what you want. I've I've heard Toski most of the ball. Sure, so, sure. okay, it is a three colorless and one green legendary creature squirrel. It comes in as a one one, and it can't be countered. It's indestructible. This squirrel is crazy, and it attacks each combat if able. But whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So, I have seen this card go in almost every single green CDH deck that can possibly run it because if you are in green, you also have other creatures. And even if Toski attacks each turn and only draws you one card, that is so productive for you. But in this deck, where we are running way more creatures than any other CDH deck can possibly imagine, this deck will go absolutely bonkers and make up for the card draw that this deck is lacking. Yeah, it can't be countered. It's indestructible. So it's just a pervasive threat that's hard to get rid of and hard to stop from hitting the table. It'll survive wraths. And then very often it's like play Toski, attack with a few things, draw cards immediately. Yes. So you just get the value off of it right away. Yeah. yeah. So it makes total sense here. You probably play, you know, Kit and then the next turn, hopefully you played something earlier, Drum Bellow or something like that. Now all of a sudden you're likely to draw like a couple of cards. And then untap all your stuff because Drum Bellower. So that's why Drum Bellower is awesome also. Oh, yes. That makes sense. Uh, Toski, is is that the most expensive card you added? I think it is at $6.74. Yes, it is. So you like it so much that it's the biggest part of our budget. Yes. All right. The next one, this is often considered a bit of a mean card. I have talked about on the show doing exactly what you've done here um, and more people need to do this. So it's Collector Oofy. Oofy? Oof. Collector Oof. It's just Oof? The yes. E's just silent? It's just Oof. Why is there an E there? I don't know. <laughs> it's one in a green. Uh, for a 2-2, creature Oof. Activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. 
yours included. But what you've done is just look at the number of artifacts in the deck, which there are only seven. Yes. And say, I don't have very many artifacts. Yeah. I don't have very many artifacts. I should turn off all of the artifacts. Oh, yes. This is going to hurt my opponents a lot more than me. Yeah. Um, you put here only seven artifacts and four of which have the possibility of not being affected by the oof. So correct. What does that mean? Not affected by the possibility. So four of which can either sack to do something or can be taken off your board in some way. So um, like your equipment creatures, if it was already equipped and you play collector oof, then as long as that creature doesn't get removed, you have the capabilities of that artifact for the rest of the game. Sure. You just can't re-equip it. Stuff like that. Or Eidolon of Oblivion, you can just exile your whatever and then get rid of it when you draw this card. So right. there's some the ways 10, 10. there's some ways you can prevent it. Okay, cool. But you only yep. have seven. So I don't think you totally. should be sad to just play it on, you know, whatever turn early, even yeah. when you draw an artifact, whatever, you turned off all the treasure tokens. So yeah. you're happy. And guess what? You need to come to the CDH meta and you need to see that the average CDH deck is probably around five thousand dollars and two thousand dollars of those five thousand are artifacts so they're if you all are, boxes they're all <laughs> i mean because they're playing all the low mana stuff and then dockside it just yes artifacts is how decks get faster than you and we are trying to slow them down long enough for us to kill them so this is this is turning off two thousand dollars of our opponent's decks okay uh collector ufi was four dollars and 94 cents yes. before we just talked about it mm -hmm. uh yeah very good card if you ever look at any of your decks and you don't and you have like i'd say like 10 or less artifacts you probably should be playing it maybe 10 is close but definitely like five or less play collector oof totally oof huh i always thought it was oofy because when you see it you say oof <laughs> <laughs> it's true because a lot of decks if can't i had two thousand dollars worth of artifacts in my deck i yes. would say oof yeah. a lot of cards can't win through it this is something that if i want to win i have to get rid of oof i and have that's to just adding that layer we yes. were talking about right yep all right the next one is um archon of amiria oh yes this card is one of the cheaper ones it's a dollar and ten cents a dollar and nine cents sorry yep archon of amiria is two and a white for a two three archon flying each player can't cast more than one spell each turn mm -hmm. and non-basic lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped yes it's just a lot of annoying on one card oh yes because we don't have a lot of non-basics a lot of our mana base our basics. This is a pre-con. And guess what? When everybody else plays their fetch lands, they come in tapped. So they have to wait another turn to then crack their fetch lands and get their dual land or their triumph that comes in tapped. We're slowing them down immensely. Well, it's it's opponent's control too. So even our non-basics come in untapped. We only have a few. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then, let me guess. You have been playing casual forever because you heard that Thassa's Oracle is a nightmare. It is. We all hate it. But you cannot lose to Thassa's Oracle as long as this is on the field, probably, because they can't Thassa's Oracles and deconsult you, or they can't Thassa's Oracle and Tain Impact you, because right. those are two spells they have to cast in turn. I have seen people that have been completely shut down by this card just because their one combo is turned off. So it is pretty insane. Yeah, I would say that we've been talking about like lowering mana curves and sort of looking towards double spelling more later than um, casting like eight, nine CMC things, just because... Oh those are so bad early in the game and the and games are faster now. So Archon definitely even hurts casual decks who are trying to sort of get to the point where they have seven mana, but they're not trying to cast a seven mana thing. They're trying to do a four mana thing and a three mana thing. Yep. Um, yeah, it doesn't always work because sometimes they go four mana thing, pass, and they're holding up removal, but it definitely will slow your opponents down. And it's a calculus that they're going to have to make of like, okay, I want to do this and this, but that thing is going to stop me from, you know, the sequencing that I want. Right, and the best thing about this deck is that 
not only are we not casting spells with goad we are cast we are casting interaction spells with kit without actually casting spells so that i mean activating the ability of course yeah Yeah. and then um a lot of our instant speed token generations are instant speed so if we do it on our opponents before us end step it is not counting as our one spell per turn so at our the end step before us we can make nine tokens and then go to our turn and buff them with best or something like that do something crazy all right, this next card is an interesting one. We definitely do not see it a lot in casual circles. Mm-hmm. It's only 30 cents. Yes. All right, I'll let you read it. It is Yasharn Implacable Earth. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. It is two colorless and uh, Selesnia? Green and a white. A legendary creature, Elemental Boar. It is a 4-4. Four, four. When Yasharn enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic forest card and a basic plains card. It is helping ramp you because you need to catch up to everybody else. And then reveal those cards, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Not technically ramp, I just want to clarify. It's It's, card draw. Right. It's filtering your deck out of your... It's filtering your lands out of your deck, which CDH decks loves to do. And then players can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. That part is the part that's awesome. Right? Oh yes, it's a good. It's a good. You can't part. pay life or sacrifice stuff to cast spells or activate abilities. Yeah. So those fetch lands that they paid so much money for can't sack them. They're just useless now. <laughs> no, the not paying life is actually like surprisingly like Bolus of Citadel. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I've lost to Bolus of Citadel a lot. Remember how many times I told you I lost a Crick? They can't even cast Crick with this ability. They have to pay actual, real-life, real-person mana for it. That's true. All the Phyrexian mana spells are... So, uh, Git Probe... Noxious uh, Revival. Noxious Revival. Nope. Oh, that's pretty cool. You put down Force of Will, which that's pretty sweet, too. Yeah. I I always forget you pay life for it, but you do. You have to pay life for it. Yep. So, if paying life is part of the the cost of the spell, then you can't do it. Right. If it's part of the resolution of the spell, it's fine. Right. Um, Or the cost of activating the thing. Yeah, Kirik, I never even thought about. That's great. Yeah. And then all of your Eldritch Evolutions or your, um, the thousand black spells that sack a creature to tutor. So Yasharn will make a, will make an impact where you never even expected. Your opponents will have to play around it when they didn't think they'd have to play around those certain things. And it is a 4-4. So you can give it plus two, plus two and trample on your turn and absolutely kill your opponents. I mean, I like the fact that it draws the two lands too, because yeah. even in a game where you look around and you're like, oh. Nobody's likely to care about that second ability. Yeah. You're fine. You know, it's not the best card in your deck in that point, but it's not like stone nothing. It's like, it's a 4-4 and it drew me two cards. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on to, we've got four more to go here. Yes. The next one is another tutor stopper. Yes. It is Avon Mind Sensor. I'm always surprised this doesn't see a little bit more play. Yeah. It's real cheap. Yeah. It's two. Oh yeah. It was um, 70 cents. 70 cents. Wow. I can't, I can't believe it's that cheap. Okay. <laughs> two and a white for a 2-1 flyer. And it has flash, and, which is really important, and yes. flying. It says, if an opponent would search a library, that player searches the top four cards of that library instead. So imagine they go to crack a fetch land, and with that ability on the stack, you flash in Avon Mind Sensor. And now instead of being able to search their whole deck for the land they want, they can only top, search the top four cards. They're not going to find it. I'm telling you that right now. Which, yeah, often means that it just whiffs. Man, if you want to see somebody get mad, that do that to them. <laughs> um, yeah, it works on demonic tutors and vampiric tutors and everything as well. Totally. 
uh, maybe not the best examples because they will get something in those cases. Right. Just from, but it'll only be from the top four. They definitely won't be super happy about it. It will not be their win condition that they're going to kill you with next turn or that turn. Right. It's going to slow them down, which is all what we want. This card was one of the arguments we made for why um, Opposition Agent probably should have been white just because this is a similar ability. So totally. it was like, Got why it. was it black? Uh, even Mind Sensor already exists, so we already know white has this in their toolbox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like you said, most CEH decks are going to tutor probably multiple times, but definitely want to tutor for their combo win at some point. Yeah. And are built around finding specific pieces. So just saying like, you just can't do that adds that layer of like, got to remove this first before you can do your thing. Yeah. It is among the rest of our cards that absolutely shut down a game. I have seen people stare at this card and then stare at their opponents who are yelling at them for not doing anything. And they're like, I cannot do anything. There's an Avon mind sensor on the field. <laughs> anything I do, it sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, this next one has a lot of words. I'm going to read it. Yes. It is Possibility Storm, 78 cents. Three red red for an enchantment. Whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. Then exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a card that shares a card type with it. That player may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then he or she puts all cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of his or her library in a random order. A lot of words. What's happened here? If you play a creature spell... You're not going to get that creature. You're going to exile cards from the top of your deck until you get whatever the first creature is. And then that one is what you get. And the rest go on the bottom of your library in a random order. It basically means whatever you do will end up as a random thing instead of the thing you wanted it to be. Correct. Um, so that that goes the same for all card types. So if you cast an instant, you're not going to get that instant. You're going to get the next instant off the top of your deck. Correct. Use this with caution because I've seen players be like, chaos is fun and just yeah. play it. it. It doesn't have the effect you think it will have. I think people think, oh, I'm going to play Possibility Storm and then all this crazy stuff's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But reality, here's what happens. You play Possibility Storm and nobody does anything because they're like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'd rather just wait. Until somebody else removes it, which is hard to remove. Which works really well in a deck, though. And I think token decks often are in the situation where, like, they're ready, they're set up, and the only thing is they just need to last a turn to get back around so they can pump their creatures and attack. Yep. And so this possibility storm says, boom, I use Gaddock Teague like this, too. Just play it. I'm probably going to be safe because whatever you try and do, that's not what's going to happen. You go to remove possibility storm. Uh -huh. The removal spell is not what's going to happen, right? <laughs> yes. So... Yeah, it just locks the game right where it is, and when that's good for you, you do it. Yeah, and I've, you don't think you would see this card in CDH, but it you, I think it's worse for CDH players than actual casual players because let's say I'm a casual player and I play Seedborn Muse and I get Crater Hoof off of it, right. I'm still happy. Whereas if I'm in a CDH game and I'm trying to tutor for my Wincon and my tutor turns into a Red Elemental Blast and there's nothing on the stack and there's no blue permanence that I can remove, it's just a bad card. And well, if right, I and you don't want to cast your, you know your demonic consultation at the wrong time. Yeah. Right? You have a very specific moment where like, yes, I'm ready to cast that. Yes. So you don't want to be like, I cast this and or whatever creature and now Thassa's Oracle comes out. And you're like, no, I don't want that now. I want yeah. that when I want that. It's great because yeah. you won't even get to the demonic consultation. They'll yeah. cast Thassa's Oracle and they'll get an Elvish Mystic. <laughs> they'll be so upset. They just won't cast the Thassa's Oracle and they will, it will buy you turns that you need to kill them. It's great. <laughs> it will buy you the turns you need to kill yes. them. Yes, but don't put this out until that's your goal. Yes. Because that's when people get mad is when people are like, ha ha, possibility storm. Yeah. And you're, you're like, wait, but you don't have anything on the battlefield right now. So we're right. just going to sit here and noth nothing's going to happen. Like you need to have established board state. Boom, play this to lock it in place. Right. And honestly, it's kind of like Armageddon. Right. Yeah. Honestly, even if you don't have an established board state, I would still play it. I would literally 
that's where you and me differ. I would get to five mana and I would slam this on the field because this Zero card. CDH game? This, yes, because this card says my opponents cannot win the game, probably. Sure, in a CDH pot, I might do that. Yes. But in a casual pot, I wouldn't. Do not. Yeah. yeah. Because in CDH, anything goes. You're, if your opponents get mad at you, then your opponents need to rethink their lives. Well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think also in a casual game, it could help your opponents more than you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 What you really, the way I usually play this is like, I don't want a board wipe to happen. Yes. And I'm not in a color that can counter the board wipes. Yeah. So play possibility storm. And now when they cast their board wipe, it's just the next sorcery off the top of their deck, which is probably not a board wipe. And that's really what I'm looking to avoid. That works too. All right. The next one is that other protection piece that I was talking about Correct. that you have added to the deck. Yes. It is Tybalt's Trickery. Murph loves this card. It's a lot like Possibility Storm, honestly. Just one time. Yeah. Truck loves this card, too. It's a one colorless and a red for an instant. And it says counter target spell. Choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. So we don't have to worry about that because yep. it's commander. They may cast the card without paying its mana cost, then put the exiled cards on the bottom of their library in any random order so ignore the mill thing that they put yeah. that there so that you couldn't like do some scroll racky sensei divining sure, stuff, sure, stuff sure. which turns out you can still do that stuff but anyway <laughs> um the important part is it counters a spell and then they just kind of get the next random spell off the top of their library right. so again this is a protection piece for like a board wipe or something right right if they try to board wipe if they try to win the game right combo if they, yeah if they try to combo because combos are our enemy if we have this in our opening hand we are super super happy and we are free to play out our game plan because if we see something unexpected that will stop the game before we've gotten a chance to play we can have some say in it in naya we don't have much interaction and a lot of it is very expensive in terms of like teferi's protection noxious survival stuff like that veil of summer you can uh include that too if you can afford it but tibble's trickery super cheap it's going to give them something else but it's not going to be what they want to win the game and that's all that we care about yeah, you're basically l using this to protect you, your win con or stop theirs. Yeah. That's it. I yeah. honestly, if somebody attempts to board wipe, depending on my board, I would not even use this because we have so few options between Tibos Trickery, Red Elemental Blast, and Pyroblast that we need to save this for when the time is right. That's and like if our opponent tries to Thassa's Oracle Demonic Consultation and somebody else flusterstorms it, but they force of will the flusterstorm, then we can say Tibos Trickery targeting the force of will just to get something. Make sure you don't lose. Yeah. <laughs> they can probably still play for the flusterstorm <laughs> yeah, yeah. if I think about it. <laughs> just reroute that in your brain. You, it makes sense. Um, okay, this is only a $2 card. So yes. uh, pretty cheap. And I think, you know, people are probably not playing this quite enough. This card is quite good. Oh, yes. I play Laps of Certainty if I'm only in white. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just like you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And that is because there are times when I will lose the game. So yes. whatever, there's a downside to these spells, but I the downside is not I lose, right? Yes. Like, so that, that's what you go for. All right. Pretty and great. the last one is a classic. Yes. And speaking of interaction, it is Swords to Plowshares. It's one white mana for an instant exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power. Power. Uh, everybody knows this card that's played Commander at all. It's oh, yeah. one of the best removal spells in the entire format. Cheap, yep. efficient exiles, not destroys. We already had Path to Exile, but it's like you were saying at the start. You just wanted to up the interaction, right? And, and a lot of these pieces are kind of interaction pieces. The last two definitely are. Yep, it's strictly better than Path to Exile because it doesn't give them the card. Life is a resource, but a worse resource than the land. So it's great i've seen many games where somebody path their own or sorry swords their own creature to survive too and that is 
It's a corner case, but it comes up more often than you think. Yeah, thankfully, I think that we're going to go most of the games and we're going to have the highest life total in the yeah. game because not only are we not cracking fetches, we're not taking damage off shocks, we're not taking, other people's we're creatures. not taking damage, like yeah. we'll totally be fine. This will always be targeting other creatures that are trying to win the game, like Najila or Timna or fill in blank here, get Rog Monster. We don't know. Yep. All right, uh, so that was all 10 cards. Drum Bellower, Utopia Sprawl, Toski, Collector Oof, Am I doing good with pronunciation? Yes, you're doing okay. so good. Uh, Archon of Amiria, Yasharn Implacable Earth, Avon Mind Sensor, Possibility Storm, Tybalt's Trickery, and Swords to Plowshares. Yes. Total $27.11. Under budget. Yes, sir. Look at that. Maybe yep. we could have squeezed in that Seedboard Muse. Nope, that would have brought us up to $32, unfortunately. Nope. If you if you can possibly do it, please include Seedboard Muse along with your Drum Bellower. <laughs> you can do it. Include your Red Blast and your Pyro Blast. Include as much interaction as you can afford, but this is a solid base that will give you some say in a CDH game where your pre-con did not have one before. Any of these pieces hit the board, any of your stacks pieces hit the board, and you are immediately in the game like everybody else. I think you actually, with these changes, might be in a pretty good place in a casual deck because you're not actually okay. trying to go for a combo win, and your interaction will still be good. All this stuff will still be useful. You know, Collector Oof is going to also, a lot of casual decks are just like, what? And they have less interaction, so <laughs> once a card shuts them off, they have a real, sometimes they're just like, oh, you know, I have three cards in my deck that could get rid of that, and if I don't try one of those, this is it. Um Okay, let's talk about some honorable mentions. You had three cards that you thought about including but didn't. Correct. Uh, let's talk about Marisi, Breaker of the Coil. Yes, he is the same mana cost as our Commander Kit. He is one and a Naya, and he is a legendary creature Cat Warrior, a 5-4. Your opponents can't, spe can't cast spells during combat. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, goad each creature that player controls. So a big difference between him and Kit is that he is goading each creature. While that is great, um, it is not a May ability. So if we, let's say in a alternate reality, we buy this card and we want to make kind of like a more goady shenanigans deck, kind of like Arthur, I think, might be doing with his precon and not making a CDH. Spoiler alert. Maybe. Um, I think that not having that selection, not having the choice of what we're goading, it's going to be really bad if we get to the miracle scenario or the dream scenario of being in a 1v1 because it's not a main ability. We have to go to each creature and we have to make them attack us every turn, whereas our opponents might have held them back. But I found Mauricio to be tough uh, because you have a you need a totally different deck. You need unblockability. Of course. Because the only time it's good to go to all their creatures is when they have many creatures. And yep. when they have many creatures, guess what? They can block you. Mm -hmm. So you're not dealing combat damage to them. So Mauricio is not doing its thing. So that's the tug and pull I've found with Mauricio that makes it tough. And the way you get around that is unblockability. Yes. Uh, which this deck does not have. So I just don't think it's set up to make as much use of Mauricio. Of course. Um, the next one you wanted to add is the channel the red channel land probably because it's the cheapest uh, maybe the white one is but the white one's just bad so <laughs> it's Sokenzan I, I don't know about that pronunciation Sokenzan Sokenzan Crucible of Defiance it is a legendary land you can tap it for red or you can channel it for three and a red and you create two one one colorless spirit creature tokens they gain haste until end of turn and the ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control you can channel as an instant it is an ability so it can't be countered uh, and it is on a land so if you ever have too many lands in your hand you can at least turn this into something useful I think all the channel lands are good uh, ex except maybe the white one which I'm not really playing totally this was just a 
this is good, this is cheap, you could think about it, but it didn't like... It, 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 I guess it makes tokens. Yeah, this is a, just a plug for the channel lands. If you can afford the green one, the um, yeah, Oseju, Oseju, please put it in because that has absolutely stopped us from losing in countless commander games because it is uncounterable. It is a channel ability. So unless they have a, cha- a tails end, or a stifle. something like that, which they will not have, I guarantee you, this will, <laughs> Disallow, maybe. This will save you the game. Yeah. But in the case that you can't afford uh, Buseju or you just don't want to put it in, can't find it, Sokinzan is feeding right into your game plan. I chose it because it's making you one ones and it can be a really good way to get the drop on your opponents. If they're swinging at you and you happen to have an empty board or you happen to have, you happen to be tapped out because you just go to the creature, so they're swinging at you with their Timna, you can just make two one ones and block and kill the Timna and then set them back, set their value engines back in their command zone so you have a little more time. And, and it doesn't he, cost you anything in deck building because you just lose a mountain for it. Exactly. Especially he, in a deck yeah. like this, doesn't have fetch lines and stuff, so the basic that doesn't really matter of course you're just yeah. gonna sub out a basic for this thing it's yeah. great and even the white one deal four damage is something a creature that's attacking or blocking they're gonna attack or block all the time with their value engines because damage matters right so dealing four damage while it's not very good in casual because everything is usually bigger than four everything is smaller than four in cdh you will love that four damage when it comes in handy it's just expensive for that Oh, I don't yeah. want to pay that amount. You're it's, never it's holding totally that amount great. of mana open, so it's just not... Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then you had a, <laughs> a honorable mention of a, a, a pretty good card, Doubling yeah. Season, yep. which is $75 or something. Seventy six forty eight. Yep. Uh, four and a green enchantments. If you would make a token, you make two tokens. If you put a counter on something, you put two counters on it. Everybody knows what this card does. Obviously, if a deck is a token deck, you would always consider putting Doubling Season in if you had it. Of course. I feel like there's not many plus one plus one counter synergies, so maybe Anointed Procession or Parallel Lives would be even better in this deck, and they're a little bit cheaper, but all of those are obviously just out of our budget range, right? Totally. And Would you even play this doubling season, though, if yeah. you could? I wouldn't, actually. I put it in the honor mentions as an, order, an ability to forewarn you, because if you're looking to go into a CDH pod, you need to realize that this is a precon meant for casual. So you already have tons of token generators. You have tons of plus one, plus one abilities here. You almost have too much. You have, what, 29 token generators? You don't need doubling season. It's too expensive. It's five mana. And it's just going to get you further into a game plan that you're already on board for. You want to sub out your cards for as many pieces of interaction as you can. You want to sub them out for some way to deal with your opponents before they combo off on you. So... Cards like Doubling Season, if you already have it and you buy this precon, you might want to put your Anointed Procession in, but I'm telling you, please put in your Noxious Survival if you have it. Put in your other pieces of interaction because you do not need more tokens. There will be tons of times where you have five tokens and you make four more and you have nine tokens and you're slowly killing your opponents, but then they combo on you and you're just like, oh, what if I had... If I had four more tokens, it wouldn't matter. Exactly. Not for five mana. Totally. Honestly, I think doubling scene is probably one of the most overrated cards it's so in overrated. Commander. Um, you almost never see it do anything. <laughs> the only time when it's amazing is with Planeswalkers. The, yes. the, the rest of the time with tokens and with one-on-one counters, it tends to be overcosted for what it does. You're better with the hardened scales if you're one-on-one counters. Oh, it's yes. one mana. Even though it doesn't do as much, it's not as flashy, it doesn't double it. It gives you one extra, but that tends to be more useful at an efficient cost than five mana for this. So totally. yeah, I would warn people, in general, token decks and doubling season, not the best combination, even though that is a little bit counterintuitive. Yep. All right, let's talk about the cards we want to take out now. We have to take out 10 cards because we're adding 10. Yep. 
All right, let's go. Let's talk trash about Sovala Explorer <laughs> Return. Yeah, you're going to see a very easy connection that we're drawing. Remember at the beginning of the episode, I told you in CDH, we never want to give our opponents advantage for any reason. That's why I wanted to take out Fabine. That's why I'm going to stand by it because any advantage that we give our opponents, they will run away with. Because even if we're getting something out of it, which we most of the time are, they're going to any card they draw is immediately better than any card we can possibly draw. So I just went through this deck and I'm just like, anything that possibly gives our opponents tokens, plus one plus counters, anything, cards, we do not want it. And we want the pieces that we're putting in. I think that's an interesting philosophy, even if not for a CDA check, just from a pre-con. Sure. So if you've got a deck you made from scratch and it's all cards that you bought off the Channel Fireball Marketplace or something... Mm -hmm then you might be able to make the statement of like the average card quality in my deck is higher than my opponent. So if I do something like Parlay, I'm getting an advantage because my card's likely to be better than the card they draw. Totally. That's even an iffy proposition under those circumstances, right? Yeah. A lot of people are like, well, yeah, I wouldn't make that statement. Right. Right. But it's even worse when you've got a pre-con. Yeah. So your card quality is naturally going to be a little bit lower than your opponent's. So the last thing I think you wanted to be doing is playing cards that draw everybody cards because right. they're going to draw awesome cards and you're going to draw... You have some, but yeah. you just have less of those, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, that makes sense to me with Sylvala. Totally. She is one, a green and a white for a legendary creature elf scout, two and a four. She has parlay. If you tap her, each player reveals the top card of their library. For each non-land card revealed this way, add one green and you gain one life. Then each player draws a card. So they're going to draw the card they revealed. Yeah, you're hoping yeah. you tap her, you get two or three mana, you gain two or three life. Everybody draws the cards. You're hoping that's kind of parody, but this is now a mana dork that taps for multiple mana, gains just some life. There's some weird shenanigans too, like, because you can tap the mana after you've cast the spell, and if Silvala taps for not enough mana, mm -hmm. then the spell kind of bounces your hand. There's weird stuff you can do, but in general, totally. this deck's not doing any of that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get cutting it. That makes sense to me. For sure. Uh, the next one is Zerzoth, Chaos Rider. This is the one that when your opponent draws their first card each turn, if it's not during their, or sorry, their first card, if it's not during their turn, mm -hmm. then you get a 1-1 devil that when it dies, you deal one to something. And it says whenever one or more devils you control attack, one or more players, you choose, uh, you and those players each draw a card and discard a card at random. So it's yes. the same thing, right? Because now you're rummaging. Totally. And they're rummaging. Yep. And you're saying, mm, my rummage is going to be better than your rummage, but that's just not true, right? Because you've got the pre-con. Yep. And, I mean, it's great that you're getting more tokens and you're, if they die, they deal one damage to something, which is kind of like what Niv-Mizzet is doing in my deck, but it's just not worth the setup. It's three mana to do this. You have to wait for somebody to draw a second card or draw a card on the other turn, which they will do, but it's just not worth, because your end goal is that you both get to rummage, which is not good in any, can in any chance. Because most of the time, if you're rummaging for a CDH player, they're already trying to do that. They want to fill their graveyard because in CDH, a graveyard is your second hand. So you're rummaging and you're discarding cards, but guess what? You're never getting that card back. Right, your you don't have graveyard recursion. Your opponents will use that for their underworld breach. So it's almost like yeah. they're drawing two cards and you're drawing one. Exactly. Sort of. Not even drawing one. Yeah, it just, just, yeah it's bad. All right, the next one is... I think we could put these two together because they're very similar. Agitator Ant and Orzhov Advocist. Yep. They both basically let your opponents put one-on-one counters on their creatures or attack you, one of the two. Yep. And then you get to just put one-on-one counters on your creatures and you still get to choose who you want to attack. Yeah. Uh, but this is obviously in your philosophy of like, don't help my opponents. And again, I, I believe that makes sense here too because they're putting one-on-one counters on creatures that are probably better than the creatures that you've got individually, yeah. right? And now, you're supposed to be able to goad their creatures if they if they sort of use, where the, they get to the point where they're like, okay, I'm not taking counters anymore. I'm going to start attacking yeah. you with it and you can 
supposedly goad stuff. But again, what I found with goad decks is you're going to get down to 1v1 and they're going to have some creature that you help them put like a bunch of counters on that's killing you and you can't goad it now because they they only have to attack other players than you if able. If there's no other if there's no other players, they're able to attack you. Yeah. Yeah, it's great because it goes back to the selection piece that we we're talking about before. Kit chooses when to give you plus two plus two buff. It gives you the trample buff, but it does it temporarily and then takes it away. So it's not giving your opponents any permanent advantage after the turn. Their creatures are going to go right back to where they were. So it. You need to be able to pick and choose because if you get down to the 1v1, which is our ideal situ- situation where we're going to win the game because we're going to kill that player, we do not want to be facing down a giant board that we created. Yeah, you don't want to turn their dock side into like a, a critical threat, right? Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next one is a new card from uh, the set. It's oh, called yes. Life of the Party. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting card. It's three in red for a zero one elemental. It has first strike, trample, and haste. But when it attacks, it gets plus X plus O until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. However, it also says when Life of the Party enters the battlefield, if it's not a token, each opponent creates a token that's a copy of it. Those tokens are goaded for the uh, rest of the game. Yeah. Even if this thing dies, those things will be goaded. Yep. So, and and it says if it's not a token so that it doesn't just create more tokens every because totally. it would be infinite. Totally. Yeah, so this is, uh, it's interesting because it should create a token for each of your opponents that they have to attack each other with for a while. Right. Yeah. But this is along your philosophy. You have a philosophy here, which is like, what anything in this deck that gives anything to my opponents, I don't want it. Yeah, it's great because maybe it gets kind of big and it's like a 5-5 five, five or a 5-6 or whatever, or it gets X power. Or It'll always be a something one. It'll always be a something one. So even if but it gets... first strike, so... Yeah, it'll get bigger and then maybe mm. you can buff it with Kit and that feels great, but they can just catch, cast Eldritch Evolution on this thing and then go get something that's six mana or greater, or six mana or below. Yeah. So you're giving them... Or Birthing Pot it. Yeah. There are so many decks that care about getting creatures on the board just to get rid of them and get something else. So imagine giving this your... Uh, opponents, and then they turn it into a Hullbreaker Horror and they win the game. Because that is your absolute nightmare scenario, nightmare scenario and it's something you want to avoid at all costs. Yeah, them being able to use that token not to attack you, but to just sacrifice it in right. some ways. Yeah. What if it said this uh, creature cannot be sacrificed? What if it said it can only attack or something like that? Well, Goat already says that. Right. If it cannot be sacrificed. Uh, still no. <laughs> still no. Yeah. Can I sell you if this? Okay, nope. no. Uh, the next one's interesting. It's Bloodthirsty Blade. Mm-hmm. Two mana for an equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus oh, and is goaded. Pay one, attach Bloodthirsty Blade to uh, a creature an opponent controls. Activate only as a sorcery. Um, this is similar, right? It's still giving something to your opponent, even though you can move it around. Yep. It's. I always said, if this card also had equip cost of one, it's totally different. Because now... When I get to a situation where I don't want to put it on my opponent's creatures, yes. I can put it on mine. Yep. And it's not a great, but still one mana to give something plus two plus O is like something. So you'd go to early in the game and then later in the game, I can turn it into something useful for me because once you're down to 1v1, this is a dead card. Yep. And you can't unequip it. There's yep. nothing like that, right? So it could get stuck somewhere you don't want it to be. Right. Yeah. This is also just giving something to your opponent. What if it right. did say equip class of one though? Would you consider it? I still wouldn't consider it because... There's a very careful kind of unspoken balance in CDH where 
Commander is a table of four players for a reason. There's such a like an awesome mix of proactive, mid-range, and control decks that you need to have that randomness. You need to have the ability to have, okay, for every proactive player, I'm also going to get a player that can control the board. So you're going to get in, faced in the situation where you have the ability to kill an opponent, and I need to caution you against just outwardly destroying one player and putting it down to a three-player pod because every time you get into a three-player pod, you are just lowering the amount of interaction that you are having in the game. So um, if a player goes to try to win the game and you have no answers to it, you needed that player that you just killed to stop them from winning the game. You needed something to interact with. And this is giving them permanent plus two plus O, which they can use to potentially kill someone because the proactive deck probably wants to get rid of players as fast as they can if they're Aren't you that, one of the proactive decks, though? That is what we're doing, but I wouldn't say that we're proactive because a proactive deck is something that tries to win and tries to win fast, turn three through five. We're looking for the six and above turn win, so giving them the ability to win faster than we can kind of drain their life totals down is just a really bad idea. Hmm, interesting. I yeah. would think the goading is already happening, so I wouldn't mind goading one more thing. But because it gets stuck, I don't like that. Correct. If I could go on my own stuff, I, if eventually I could be like, oh, now I'm just hitting you with it in the 1v1. Sure. Uh, let's talk about another new card, yep. Master of Ceremonies. Yep. Three and a white for 3-4. We're losing, no, nah, not too many new cards, only one so, so far. That's interesting because yep. I'd say usually we cut a lot of the new cards right. out of the deck. Right, Um, Sorry, three and a white for 3-4, Rhino Druid. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent chooses... Money, friends, or secrets. For each player who chose money, you and that player each create a treasure token. Oh, we see where this is going already. Mm -hmm. For each player who chose friends, you and that player each create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token. And for each player who chose secrets, you and that player each draw a card. So this is giving things to your opponents. Yes, you get things. And they get to choose what the thing is they get. I don't like that at all. Yep. I don't think I we don't, need to say anything else we, about nope. it. It's obvious due to our philosophy. This next one fits in the same category, Sylvan Offering. You want to read it? Yep. It is X and a green for a sorcery. Choose an opponent. You and that player each create an XX green tree full creature token. Choose an opponent. You and that player each create X11 one, one green elf warrior tokens. You may see this card and you think to yourself, but Shauna, I have more uses for tokens than they do. No, you don't. They will turn your tokens into bigger creatures. They will Mana, turn your tokens into tutors. Yeah. They'll, it's... They will absolutely love having these tokens, and they will kill you before you even have a chance to take another turn. I always thought that card should be an instant, so at least I get to use my tokens totally. before they do. Yeah. yeah, and then I would maybe change my evaluation. Yep. Uh, the last one is an eight-mana spell. It's Sandworm Conversion, six green-green. I think that yeah. there almost automatically uh, eliminates it. But it's an enchantment. Creatures with flying can't attack you or planeswalkers you control. At the beginning of your end step... Create a 5-5 five, five green worm creature token. Yep. Depending on your evaluation of X spells, our mana value, our, our average CMC is close to 4, which is pretty... Insane. It's, it's pretty normal for a, a casual no, deck. No, even casuals usually it's below It's pretty three. high still, but yeah. it is bad. This is the most expensive card in our deck and the only 8-drop, and it is... It's just not, it's not good. even a good card. <laughs> I've I've talked to casual players that have played this card. Arthur mentioned it. He cast it on his end step, and then he he got one five five, and then he got removed. Like a five five per turn is so slow. You need to understand how crazy slow a turn goes by because well, especially in, once yeah. you're at turn, you're casting eight drops. Yes. Like if this is a two drop. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But 
the fact that it costs eight. Yep. The game's almost over already. Mm-hmm. How many five fives can you get? Two. One. I mean, two, Zero. I'd be surprised. You're probably yeah. getting one. It no. doesn't even ha- you don't even have to remove it. Right. In CDH2, the flying's not, the like the moat part of it is not as... No, the flying does nothing. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. You'll probably have more flyers than anybody else. All right. The last card you're going to cut from the deck, I'm going to argue with you about a little bit, but let's go ahead and hear your reasoning. We already read the card, so it is the, it's the, what do you call it? The backup singer? The backup commander, the potential backseat commander. It is Fabine, boss's confidant. We mentioned it before. It was the three Anaya parlay creature that gives your token creatures haste. Tokens get haste, you parlay, and then you get uh, one ones for... You get one ones for non-lands, I think. Or oh, each for land- lands, you get one ones, and for non-lands, you get plus one, plus one to all your creatures. Yep, and then everybody draws a card. So, I'm going back to why we got rid of Sovala. We don't want to give people cards. And even if we get, we get a nice buff, let's say we play her on curve. We play her at five, turn five, turn six, and then our creature tokens have haste. Sure, we... We probably have an established board by then, but the, the, our established board doesn't matter because we're looking to play new creature tokens and give them haste as soon as they come down. But most, Well, no, it counts her creature tokens. Sure, but most of... Uh, sure, maybe we can parlay before we attack and then we can do... This I mean, on more. average, you're probably getting one creature and plus three, plus three. And then we'll buff most our creatures. Decks have, yeah, most decks are probably like one-third lands or so. Uh, okay. Maybe a little higher, 40%. So maybe yeah. you're somewhere around two creatures two buffs two plus one plus one so you're basically paying six mana for a static ability that only helps the creatures that she is giving you because when are we creating creatures we barely create creatures on our turn a lot of our x token generations are instant speed so we're not doing it on our turn regardless so wait wait hold on you're a token deck so you are creating creatures kit creates a creature right um and then you have you know like the the x creature spells that are going to create creatures i mean i think that's why I think this card is fine. I don't think it's amazing. And right. I get the parlay thing, which I do agree with. Totally. But to me, this is a card that like you can play on as like a sort of like buff my board, finish you type of turn. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a finisher type card. And sure. it can get you... Because I think also like decent chance in this deck that you're just sort of hellbent at some point. So right. parlay is not the worst thing ever when you've... Cause, there is the law of diminishing returns. If my sure. all my opponents have good card draw and I don't have a ton, yep. which uh, this card has, this deck has a decent amount, so sure. this might not be a problem. I haven't played it yet, but um, if everybody else has seven cards and I have two, yep, then that is a situation where we're in the reverse, where it is better for me to draw yes. a card than it is for them because I'm getting fifty percent more cards in my hand and they're getting ten percent more cards in their hand. Totally fine. Yep. Yeah, that's that would be my argument for keeping because of Fabine. Yeah. Um, and but maybe, I don't think it's great. I, yeah. I get you. And maybe you get to the point where you're like, okay, I just need a little bit extra. Maybe you're at like the end game where everybody hopefully is down to like 10 or so life. And you're like, okay, if I play Savine and I buff my creatures, even plus two, plus two for each creature, that is not nothing. So maybe I just need that extra eight, 10, 12 damage on board to finish the game. So that is something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you've got four creatures, you play Fabine. Yep. In your scenario, you're going to get two more creatures, and then everything gets plus two, plus two. So you added six here, and then eight more. So yep. 14. And that's, that's a pretty modest position to be in, four creatures to right. start. So that's not it's not bad. And he, hitting a non-land is definitely an average of two per, per parlay. So you're probably, like, going to get 2.5 non-lands, right? I would say or 2. so. 7 yeah, in CDH, yeah. it is very likely. Oh, yeah. CDH, you're going to get more, because they yep. only you guys only run, like, 30 lands. Yep. Uh, the card I would I wanted to talk about because it's interesting and that I would cut instead is uh-huh. False Floor, which is a new card. Four mana for an artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped. It says creatures enter the battlefield tapped, all of them. And then you can pay two, 
tap and exile far false floor and then exile all untapped creatures only as a sorcery yep i don't like this card so creatures onto the battlefield tapped i mean i i like to think of this as kind of a false stacks piece because you're stopping what <laughs> nothing pretty much every single creature that your opponents are going to be playing they're going to be waiting a turn to attack anyway they're not going to be dashing in any rag events anytime soon they're when not you're goading so totally. they're already they have free attacks on each other because you've goaded somebody and the, you know that's put their shields down so of course. they're already attacking each other probably yeah you, you don't actually want your creatures coming untapped because of kit right you want to sure. be able to tap them right uh, why doesn't it say opponents i should say opponents yeah it would be nice if said opponents but to be fair this is going to give you a two tap this exile all untapped creatures if there's going to be a situation in which an opponent puts a cannon and a basalt on the field, and somebody. But they just—they're going to win then, right? If somebody stops that from happening, there's there there's going to be problem creatures on the board at times. That if you don't remove them, like Hermit Druid, something like that, somebody casts Hermit Druid and it enters untapped because. But Hermit Druid, this doesn't matter because it'll be tapped by the time you activate this. It'll be tapped on turn, but it'll ha also have summoning sickness. So when it comes in... But this has, comes in tapped, so there's no way. They would have to play this into a tapped Fable... They would have to play Hermit Druid into a tapped... Or looking at Fable 4. They'd have to see it okay. on the battlefield tapped and then play Hermit Druid. I mean, right. no one's doing that, right? Probably. But <laughs> I'm just so hesitant to say that any type of creature removal is bad because you're going to get overwhelmed quickly by your opponent's creatures. And even tapping this to exile a Ragavan that's going to keep attacking is still good. But he's tapped because he attacked every turn. There's no way they see this and go, oh, I'm just going to leave my Ragavan untapped. Yeah, but like, um, if you have this on board, let's say you play this turn four and your opponents have some established board state, yeah. you are threatening to exile on all untapped creatures. So it won't happen the turn that it comes in. They see it, right? Because it comes in tapped, yeah. Totally. So I will, if somebody plays, if I play false floor, fake false floor and... I have a Ragavan in hand. I'm definitely going to play the Ragavan because they're just trying to accrue some value. They're going to play their commander. They're not going to stop their game plan, which means casting their Tasker, casting their Krom, casting their Timna because of this thing. So being able to potentially exile all of your opponent's commanders is huge. Yeah, I just think you're not going to ever do that. They'll attack. And you've been goading, so they've got shields down. And they could even just collude and be like... I'll attack you, you attack me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I just think this card is kind of garbage. It's I get possible. what they were trying to do with it. Right. But, like, the fact that it comes in tap so you can't even surprise people and be like, play it, activate it for six yeah. mana, which wouldn't... Would six mana exile all untapped creatures be ba be good? No. no. Because we can already just kill all untapped... All creatures yeah. tapped or untapped. For six mana. Yeah. So, yep. no. I just think this card's kind of garbage. It's not great. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather have Fabian. That's my one argument. But um, I don't know CDH, so I could very easily be, be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But I think all your recommendations were awesome. And I, I loved seeing the different cards that you would add than I think most of the casuals would add. Like, I don't think Collector Oof is a card that, which, by the way, more people should be playing yep. um, that, that we've ever had suggested on a pre-con upgrade guide. So, yep. yeah, I really like your perspective, Shauna. So thanks totally. for bringing that to the table. Let's mm -hmm. talk about how you expect the deck to play yep. as sort of a wrap-up here. Like you know, give some idea of sort of how you see games going and how you, you think the deck will uh, sort of turn out. Sure. So our uh, total game plan is to get Kit out turn three or four. 
ideally turn three, possibly turn two, depending on how many pieces you can pick up. But as soon as we get out Kit, we're going to be goading our creatures as much, our opponent's creatures as much as possible and draining their life total evenly. Again, we're trying to maintain that balance across the board. We don't want to absolutely target an opponent unless some niche scenario is happening. It's a bad idea to reduce your four-player pod to a three-player pod. So we're going to just gradually bring the total life total of the table down while keeping ours the highest. So doing that, doing that gradual damage, constantly getting rid of creatures that may be posing a threat. We don't get to choose where they attack, but we can choose who we are trying to get rid of. So you can still the, choose who you attack to to kind of balance those scales. Yeah, by the time Kit comes out, which is going to be later than a good amount of commanders, we can be using Kit to go their commanders into our opponents, who will hopefully have enough of a board state to block and kill them. Because there are a good amount of commanders who just sit back and don't attack because they are there to win the game, or they are there to accrue value. So any any possible scenario where you can use Kit to remove falsely remove your opponent's creatures, or just do a decent amount of damage is wonderful all right to the listeners what do you think of the cabaretti cacophony precon is there any cards we missed any cards you uh we suggested that either we should take out or add in that you disagree with or maybe you know you don't uh you're not a cdh player or that's not your style and you think we should have gone in a totally different direction yep definitely leave us a comment tweet at us email us all that good stuff we like to hear from each and every one of you um before we go Big shout out to our sponsors, channelfireball.com slash command. That is the affiliate link you want to use when you are ordering your uh, Streets of New Campana Commander Precon. Best deal prices around. Yes. Set boosters, draft boosters. It's a really good point because Channel Fireball's marketplace is unique in that they have licensed businesses. They vet everybody. So you can't just be like a a regular person selling cards and stuff on the marketplace. You have to be an LGS, basically. And they have really good seal prices because they go through the WPN distributor network and everything. And so Channel Fireball's sealed prices tend to be the best out there. And this is the time we're all buying sealed, right? We want to draft the set to crack those collector boosters and stuff like that. So channelfireball.com slash command. And then, of course, once you get all the cards, you want to protect them. We like Ultra Pro products. This is the stuff Jimmy and I use for our own collections. You don't want your cards to get damaged. And you also want them to look really, really cool on mm-hmm. the battlefield. You want to have the new Streets of New Capenna Art Deco yep. stuff on your sleeves. Ultra Pro is the one that's going to have it. Um, so definitely, they are the best at protecting your game pieces. Yep. As you get into CDH, your card value in your pool is just going to go up and up and up. And the more... I have my cards double-sleeved in hards, and I have them sleeved in regular sleeves. I have them... My deck is massive, because you do not want to lose value on any of your cards You have ever. double-sleeved in hard? Double-sleeved in hards How and in a regular it? sleeve. You just do your best and know that you're not losing any money i have one deck double sleeved and i hate i hate it i hate shuffling it yeah it's so i just can't double sleeve everything even though that is the smart way to go because the cards have value so definitely i think double sleeving into regular sleeves into hearts i I don't know if i can uh, advocate for that it's an intimidation factor (laughs) that's true your deck is bigger than everybody else's (laughs) (laughs) all right uh now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic shauna do you have something cool to talk about outside of the world of magic? I do. Demon Slayer just finished up. I Didn't we if, talk about Demon Slayer last time you were on? I don't know about that, but Demon Slayer is amazing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. A lot of people that I've been talking to have never heard of it or have never found time to watch it. It's been on the back of their their back burner for a while and they never found 
the motivation to sit down and invest in another series, but Ufotable has absolutely blown everybody out of the water with this thing. It is the most gorgeous, well put together, the story is great. The only complaint that anybody has ever given to me is that it does the kind of like anime thing where they just kind of train and do better, but it is okay because this second season has focused on a fight between the main characters and this big bad supervillain that is the craziest fight scene I've ever seen in my entire life. The amount of money and time and animation that went into animating that season was absolutely bonkers. And you don't have to wait for week to week for it to come out because it is all out. It's not on Netflix yet, but it is on the everyday VRV Crunchyroll type of thing. You need to watch it. Oh, Verve. They've been a sponsor of us before, so I think Crunchyroll too. We like Verve. So it's it's Demon Slayer Season 2 that just ended up? The Entertainment District, yes. Okay. Yeah, they, um, they didn't pull any punches. A lot of people kind of saw the entertainment aspect of it, and they were like, hey, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the entertainment district that is maybe not good for relative child eyes. And they were like, no way. We're going to give you the nitty gritty of this place, and you will see what happens there. And you will see many people get slaughtered by demons. It's so good. <laughs> All right, Demon Slayer, find it out there. It's very good. Okay. Special thanks to our amazing editing and just team here at the Command Zone. Big team. Arthur Meadowcroft, Shauna Gillis, Damon Lenz, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Grav Galati, Truck Tide, Jamie Block, Evan Limberger, and Mitch Trafford. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card animations that begin our show. And... This Not one, this one. <laughs> this one was done by Sam. And also, shout out to Lady Danger and David Coleman, who uh, put together the set here. for the so just get better and better. Yeah, so we feel yep. all cool and old-timey and 1920s and, you know, art deco-y. Yeah. Yep. Ladies just, just killing around here, helping us uh, stay in the groove. So, yep. thanks everybody on our team. Thank you, Shauna, for you. Uh, helping us upgrade this deck. And thanks everybody out there for watching. We will see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.